0: Matthew's bound. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing... Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You hereby waive your right to your own personal bodily integrity.
1: This is not you.
0: Two. Per the State versus Neville Reed, my colleague and
1: I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property,
0: mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whatever the fuck I want!
1: Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello Mr. Fancy Pants. I was
0: just in my office and I heard
2: a ruckus.
0: Describe the ruckus, sir. Does so this mean we're not friends anymore? <laughs> the only one.
1: I'm, I'm in my prime. Ain't it cool? Uh, wow. I mean, I mean, I mean. Everyone! First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Good, bad. I'm the guy
3: with the gun. What up, everybody? DJ Anubis here with you on the Meltime Radio podcast. Hordes of Chaos, episode 167. Got a lot of great music coming your way today, as well as a couple series reviews and a movie review as well. Uh, before we get into our first block of music, though, i uh, just let you know, May 12th, coming up next Thursday, I believe. Um, hopefully it's still going to go on through so far so good. I'll be doing an interview with Nomos uh, to celebrate the release of their new record uh, this year. So uh, we'll be trying to do that, and I will actually post that the day of the... Um, either day of or the next day for that particular interview. Um, just depend on how long it takes. Uh, they may want to hang around a bit afterwards. I'm not sure, but nevertheless, uh, it's always a joy to have them in the studio to talk some talk shop, have fun, drink some beer, eat some goodies. Uh, but yeah, I'm so excited for the new record that they put out. Uh, it's fucking amazing for those that haven't heard it yet. Um, get out there. Uh, check it out buy it support the bands buy merch see them live because I'm telling you uh, you know we all have often say that bands that put out great music aren't always great live but that is not the case with Nomaz. like they are fucking amazing live they just bring it the energy uh, the ferocity, Everything when they hit that stage, it's it's like a, a button that just clicks and they go at it, uh, and it just they don't let up. It's it's, fun. it's so great. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to have them in um, this coming week uh, doing an interview, and I'm gonna be playing uh, stuff for the new album as well as some other stuff they have in their back catalog of demos and stuff. So uh, be a know my show for you all. So be ready for that. And we're going to get started with our first block of music. A bunch of classic thrash coming your way in terms of uh, eccentrics, forced entry, and here's Death Angel kicking it all off with Voracious Souls. I'll be back.
1: Jay Dubas here, and I want to say if you can dig all things Godzilla and KG-related then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course, everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, That Fat Samurai Guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information. Peace.
3: Alright. A little later on, I'm going to be giving you the review I did for Doctor Strange 2. I actually did a video on our YouTube channel for that Uh, so I just actually took the audio file from that and I'll be playing for that for you later on because I go a little bit of detail of the movie there. Uh, But like I said in the YouTube video even though I'm not totally giving everything away for Doctor Strange 2 I'm breaking down the plot synopsis and everything and that kind of in turn, gives away some spoilers. Nothing major, but again, if you want to avoid that, when we get to that point later in the show, just skip through that uh, until you're ready to listen to it later at a later date or whatever. Uh, But the first thing I want to get to is uh, the Moon Knight series on uh, Disney+. And I was talking about a few episodes back before I stopped and said, you know, I think I'll just wait till the series is over. I think it's like six or so episodes Uh, So I finished that up this week. And uh, to give a plot synopsis of that, basically comes down to... Moon Knight follows Stephen Grant, a mild-mannered gift shop employee who becomes plagued with blackouts and memories of another life. Stephen discovers he has a dissociative identity disorder and shares a body with a mercenary named Mark Spector. Uh, The series stars... Oscar Isaac as Mark Spector, Ethan Hawke, who plays Arthur Harrow, May uh, Kalamai, I think that's how you pronounce her name, as Layla, Uh, and then, of course, uh, F. Murray Abraham as Khonshu, who's uh, one of the deities, the Egyptian deities. And um, yeah, so as I've talked about before, just you know, what this premise is basically is. Moon Knight, the character, is basically the alter ego of Mark Spector. And, but we find out that Spector himself is actually what they call an avatar for Khonshu. And it's not just Khonshu who has human avatars. It's also a lot of the Egyptian deities. So Asiris, uh or Cyrus, excuse me, um, other goddess and goddesses, except for we don't ever hear any mention of Anubis at all... um... yet... uh... personally... uh... I don't know if they're going to get to... that particular deity later... Uh, they don't even mention Ra or anybody... I don't think either... but uh... one thing we learn is that... Arthur Harrow... portrayed by... uh... Ethan Hawke... who kind of plays the villain... which really in some ways... Hawk's version, or Harrow, isn't really necessarily a villain per se. Basically what Conchu's job is, is to punish those who, who are very, uh, who commit crimes that are very bad people. So it's almost like a, a retribution for those people. And so Moon Knight is kind of like the person that takes care of that. Now, uh, Ethan Hawke, who plays Arthur Harrow, he wants to ...bring to life or release another deity. Um, god, I wish I could remember the fucking... Give me a minute. Um, shit, it doesn't tell me here. Um, maybe it doesn't need a little review I have, but... He wants to release another god... ...that's currently trapped in this little statue. That's what these gods do. Um, if you step out of line... ...or you start to give away... You know if you if you make the human populace known that you're around and you know you stand out if you that sort of like breaks their rules so what they can do is they can band together uh, as gods and they can trap you your your soul and your your deity into like a little statue and um there's one particular guy and i'll see if i can remember who it was later because it plays the main villain down the road uh that particular deity is quite the opposite of Khonshu so while kanshu basically is like retribution for crimes that have been committed by certain uh, humans or whatever, this other deity basically can basically read your mind Like the, it's called like the scales of justice or whatever and they hold your hand and uh they they hold your hand and basically they can see these scales like a tattoo on their arms which tells them whether or not you're worthy to live or die. And then what happens is like they if you're if you fail, like if you're a bad human being I guess or whatever, your soul is basically ripped out of your your body and you pass away. But it's kind of interesting because Arthur Harrow basically is very almost like a cult leader. And he's very suave and very calm and very genuine. This is what makes the character that Hawk plays so interesting because he truly believes that by releasing this other deity, that he's doing the world a favor. Like he doesn't even really have any. He used to be Conchu's uh, uh, avatar, and so he has this like he does have this like respect for Conchu. But it's like you know, rather than. Basically, waiting until after people have died at the hands of humans, you know, Har- Harrow thinks that it's better to uh, pre- be preactive or preemptive about it. So, he, you know, he wants to avoid that and make world a better place for humans where, you know, we are. It's almost like minority report in a way, you know, you're, you're stopping something from happening before it happens. So, if you come across somebody who's a bad person you're already going to just kill them even though they may not have committed anything yet if the justice scales on you know say that you're not worthy of staying alive then that's when your soul is taken but of course and of course because that deity was locked away in a statue the rest of the deities that are still walking around in avatars clearly don't want that deity running around either uh because I guess they figure it's better that humans uh, live and learn rather than, you know, take away their ability to choose. Um, the setup or the uh, the uniform and the, the suit that Moon Knight wears is very cool. When it happens, like I said, uh, there's multiple personalities and this body that Stephen Grant has with Mark Spector. And we kind of find out that is actually the the main body. But Stephen was this alter ego that Mark created um, to help deal with some of the traumas and stuff because Spector's like a mercenary. Whereas Steven's more of like an intellectual uh, museum guy who's got knowledge of stuff. So there's these... Um, there's even... We find out, like, down the road, there's actually a third persona that we're going to probably introduce to in this, the next season. But, uh... Layla Elfala, who plays May Calamay... Or, that's May Calamay's character, excuse me. She's actually Mark Spector's wife. But she doesn't find out till obviously, in this season that Mark has an alter ego. So, like, he just... When, when he's in Steven's personality, he just disappears. And Layla knows who Mark is and knows about the Avatar and knows that he, he's a mercenary and he does this, you know, he can change into this body armor. It's almost spawn like when it happens. Um, and uh, he can do different things. He can throw blades. He can, you know, has like this, he can kind of fly. His, his cape kind of turned into a half crescent moon. And stuff like that. So he's really good. Um, But it is far different. Like, even when Steven tries to dominate the personalities, because he doesn't, you know, he spends a good portion of this series trying to not kill people and not want to be involved. So he's like, but he's still struggling to to figure out why he's splitting personalities with this other person that he didn't even realize. Because for a while. Stephen realized that he was waking up in different places, like I and mean, we're talking like different countries or different parts of the world, and it was freaking him out because he didn't remember anything, so at night when he was at home, he would tie himself to the bed with a chain and like an ankle bracelet or whatever, and somehow he was still getting out, you know he but he didn't understand everything until he started actually. Having conversations with Mark Spector through mirrors and stuff like that. When it became obvious that Mark had to step in, uh, and try to help him out with this, but it became like this power struggle within himself. And the series does, you know, it does. There's our There's episodes which we're dealing with where they actually sort of address the mental, the mental it, uh, issues, uh, you know with what's going on with, you know, disability and having uh, mental issues as a person. And it doesn't just, it's kind of, it's a little bit more serious, you know, with the identity disorder stuff. So I'm not saying that it's going to get so serious where you can't enjoy the film. There's some good comedic moments in it. Um, you know, I think the biggest problem, this is something I'm going to address a little bit, in my review for doctor strange too is we're at a part now with marvel where we're being introduced to all these new characters and if you're somebody who's into comic books you're gonna know who this is like i know i have a lot of friends in the dojo army and uh facebook and stuff like that who are big comic book nerds and so they knew who moon knight is they get excited when they announce this uh, for me, I have no fucking clue it was, but, you know, I've been jo- enjoying the movies and the series and everything like that, which in some ways gives me an advantage over even some of them, because there's no way for me to really be so much disappointed, because if I don't have any prior knowledge of something, all I can go on is, you know, what I see on these, these series and movies. and But it doesn't mean that I'm not noticing problems with them all either, because, the great thing about Moon Knight is, and for those that follow me and Echo, obviously know my name is DJ Anubis, so, like, I love Egyptian mythology. I'm not an expert on it by any means. Uh, but I've always appreciated it and really liked it and the, the the the, you know, the mythology behind it all. So here we have a character who's, you know i don't want to say inner demon but his is you know khonshu is this deity who is part of this egyptian mythology and everything deals with that in a lot of ways and so that's very cool to me uh as i said you know anubis himself has not been mentioned at all within this first season but uh that doesn't mean he might not come up later or you know i don't know uh like how it even fit into it, I don't know, because Anubis was the god of the dead, so uh despite being a god, you know, I don't know is he locked away, like, you know, 'cause what was I was saying about the rest of the deities that were uh, trapping uh deities into these little statues, like they had like a room where there was a bunch of other statues. And so I don't know if it's like some sort of punishment or they had to control because these deities were too strong. Uh, obviously, the one deity that uh, Harrow is trying to release throughout the first season had been locked away because of that very problem, like where that particular deity was hungry, you know, power hungry, and wanted to be released. And so it, it's very interesting. Um, but I have to agree with some of their, you know, reviews and stuff that the series itself is it's okay um I think I'd agree that six episodes really isn't doing it justice because there's it's something that has to be explored more and the finale just wasn't as good or as great as I thought it might be like there's just something missing and I don't know if it's because I'm getting burned out and so many different new characters being introduced left and right uh as i will say in my review with strange you know i think that um i love the fact that marvel's doing this entire universe because it it gives it gives something to every a little bit of something to everybody so let's say if you're not even a big thor iron man fan but you're a big moon knight fan like this gives you something in the universe that you can call your own because it's oh you know it's like oh wow I didn't really care for this but oh wow I really like this or uh, let's say you're just a big Loki fan and you're you know you love the TV series Loki because it does concentrate on his character or even Scarlet Witch and Wanda you know like there's just there's so many things you can choose from I you know Jessica Jones Luke Cage Iron Fist you know there's stuff that I just don't really care about that much but other people do uh and that's fine. That's you know that gives you options here, but uh, it can be a little bit uh, redundant, I think. And so I just I don't know at this point like how well this particular series will do because in the end you want to be able to broaden your audience, and if you're rushing your first season, the six episodes on something that's a little more complicated. <laughs> uh because you got like a lot going on in this series that they kind of seem to kind of power through um but you know i i I always give things a chance um but I, i certainly have more of my favorites that are more of the main characters that we have so you know i'm a big thor fan so god and thunder uh you know love and thunder when it comes out you know will be one of the biggest things for me because i've enjoyed that series pretty much and a lot of the main act like some people hate Hawkeye I actually enjoyed that more than I thought it would uh obviously Florence Pugh uh, her character made that series a lot better than it could have been or should have been really um but that's the thing like I just there's some stuff that because I'm familiar with those characters more uh you know I might be a little unfair to stuff like Moon Knight or whatever um but yeah, you know, that's how it goes. We'll just see how it plays out, though. Uh, at some point, maybe like like I said, the Eternals. I mentioned that too in the review for Strange too. That I know nothing about the Eternals. I did watch that movie the other day for the first time, just because I wanted to say, okay, well, I wanted to see it just to make sure I said that I saw it. Uh, but it really did nothing for me. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, it's part of the universe, but, you know, do we really need that? Like, you know, just, it's it's really weird. Because uh, there's just a lot of stuff that, even though they're all connected in some way, uh, just when you have no background or history with it, it's like, okay, what do I do with this? <laughs> all right, well, let's get back into some music. Um, got some uh, Mute Prophet in here, as well as septic flesh, and then we're gonna kick it off from a new contributor. Contributor, excuse me, uh, providing music for us at uh, Metal Tavern Radio, My Kingdom Music, and the band's called Dreariness, and this is called Drain. Mm-hmm.
0: This is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot RIP. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. All
3: right. We are back. That was Mute Prophet with Bleed Forever. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Yellowstone. I know I talked somewhat about this a few episodes back, and I said, oh, I get pissed off because certain characters aren't being done any justice, and I was pissed off about it. And anyway, after talking about it with people who watch the show through all of the fourth season, which I finally just finished up, uh, I still find myself with this particular character, which I'll get to in a minute, that... You know, he's still kind of given, like, this raw deal as a character in the, in the series. and uh, But it's very complex, too, because there's just all this animosity between his character and his sister and, you know, his background. And, of course, just some of the decisions this character makes. So let me, uh, let me just give you a breakdown. Uh, Yellowstone, and I'm going to give you a breakdown of the main characters here, at least some of them. Uh, Kevin Costner, which also produces and directs this uh, series, plays John Dutton. Uh, Luke Grimes plays K.C. Dutton. Wes Bentley plays Jamie Dutton. Kelly Riley, the lovely Kelly Riley, plays Beth Dutton. Cole Hauser plays Rip Wheeler. Kelsey Esbillet uh, plays Monica Dutton. Jefferson White plays Jimmy Herdstrom. Forey J. Smith plays Lloyd. And Gil Birmingham plays Thomas Rainwater. Now, the synopsis of this is basically Costner, who's playing John Dunn. He's uh, a father, a cowboy, who owns a ranch in Yellowstone Park. And, uh, of course, he has his family. Uh, He starts with three sons and a daughter. And really, from the get-go in the first episode to kick off, or at least the first couple episodes to kick off um, the series, uh, uh, season one, uh, he loses the oldest son to a gunfight, and uh, so quickly we're introduced to the wild world of you know here you have you have this white family uh, led by uh, a father Kevin Costner who's. You know, very old school, hard-headed, stubborn. You know, he made a promise to his dad that he would never sell the ranch. And this becomes a big part of this entire story. But he's also not able to keep it financially up. So basically, it looks fine. Obviously, it's all nice and whatnot. But uh, he's basically in the red when it comes to money. Like, he's not drawing enough money. So what's happening is uh, outside forces, whether it's developers or even right now the Native Americans who have a reservation nearby, they want to try to buy up his land and get him out of there uh, for their own purposes, obviously. But this creates problems with not just them trying to bully him out of there, but uh, violence ensues in different ways, and but it, it's funny because the entire series has nothing but violence for many, for many different reasons. Uh, because you have when some of the opposing people who approach John Dutton uh, when they don't get their way, when when because like really uh, Beth Dutton, who is the daughter, uh, very quick, smart, uh, very brutal in terms of like like she almost has more balls than her brother's really in some ways cause like she's no no nonsense like she will eat you alive she's very cold uh, obviously she has some trauma from her childhood which I'll talk a little bit about in a minute but uh, she's the one that kind of like sort of overlooks her dad now their mother had died a few years previously when they were younger uh, in a horsing accident, uh, horse riding accident and that also has like a small part in the issues between Beth and Jamie, Those, that's the sibling problems that I was talking about um, Casey is a, a former soldier who is back uh, he actually has a, a, a wife who is Monica who's played by a uh, what did I say? Kelsey Azabelli, uh, Monica, she's Native American. So he's, you know, he has no problems, of course, you know, falling in love with a Native American woman. Uh, they actually have a young son. And so that also has a bit of a problem because, you know, she's very in touch with her Native American side. Uh, Rainwater, who is the chairman for. Uh, the Native American community is constantly trying to want to build a casino so that he can use the money to buy up the rest of the land. because He wants to buy the land, take down the fences of all the different ranches and let the animals roam free and let the Native Americans have their land back. Uh, so there's just a lot of infighting going on within this little town of Yellowstone. And uh, but at the same time, again, you're, as you would expect with cowboys, they can handle themselves, uh, fight-wise as well as uh, with guns and stuff. So, but it's there's this constant attack because if these developers, whether it it really hasn't happened with the Native Americans so much except for the first season, uh, where if you're not getting what you want, you start using force to try to get it, and then the Duttons are fighting back and they. Yeah, you, know, you have people being murdered and, you know, cover-ups and everything else. Uh, but then to the side story with Beth and Jamie, um, Jamie is uh, the next oldest son who, you know, the one that passed away before in season one. So he's the next oldest one up. And uh, actually, you know what? Jamie might have been the oldest all around. I might have been wrong on that. Yeah, I was wrong in that. Jamie's actually the oldest of all of them. Um, but the second oldest is the one that died uh, in, the, in the first season. But Jamie's the only one also who is, you know, John Dutton wanted him to grow up to be a lawyer to help him. Like, there was this ultimate plan by Dutton, which is really kind of weird because of the family dynamic. John, uh, you know, you say to yourself, well, he loves his kids, but then, like, he also, he also uses them as pawns to keep the ranch and to be on the inside with uh, you know politics and Jamie kind of serves that purpose. But there's a lot of uh, animosity from Beth to Jamie because of something that happened when they were kids. And so this is something that just carries on. And so Beth, like I said, she's ruthless. Um, and she's not very nice to Jamie at all. She's constantly uh, poking the bear, constantly like telling him he's dog shit no one loves him (laughs) you know it's just you know and unfortunately because there's also animosity because jamie was the last one to be with their mother when she died and that's sort of like this resentment from beth as well because she was supposed to be the one to get help and got lost but she is very young um but that's not really the sole reason why she's so angry with jamie you'll find out if you watch the series exactly what it is it's the catalyst for all this uh, but, you know, Jamie, at the same time, he's trying so hard to win over his dad that, you know, is his uh, appreciation and love from his dad that he often steps on his own dick. Like, he can't really make the right decisions to do that. And then, like, Beth, like I said, again, she's she's fucking brutal, dude. She she actually beats him up. Like, the one time that Jamie, like like, the whole time that Beth is, like, you know poking his bear and like telling him he's a fuck up and you know he's a pussy and everything else like finally when jamie decks her he's like he's like turns her he's like well what do you think of that and she's like well a real man would just walk away so she is always one step ahead of jamie in this. and like he jamie unfortunately is like the biggest cuck or fucktard or pussy you'll ever see and, and but he's also this person that like for a good portion of this series you feel sorry for it because you start to learn things about his past and uh you know he did make a bad decision as a kid uh well he wasn't really too much of his early 20s he's getting ready to go to law school and he had to help beth or something but that was like the catalyst of the the animosity that was going to arise from that but that's because he made a poor choice uh, I think there's some debate about that choice of whether or not it was on purpose or if he just thought that was going to be the best avenue to go at that time. Uh, I don't think it's ever really clear uh, his motivations behind it other than to protect his sister's name. But uh, the show just has a lot of like familiar faces that pass through the seasons. Like I said, we're in season four that I just finished up. Uh, there is, I mentioned the character Jimmy, he starts out this in the first season as this young man who loses his dad, but his dad's like told John Dunn to make him a promise to take him on and help him out. And so he, John does, and you know, he basically has this group of cowboys who take care of the ranch, you know, they take care of the horses and the cattle, and they all stay in the bunkhouse. And uh, it's led by uh, Cole Hauser, who plays Rip, and Rip, and of course, Rip and Beth have a, a off and on relationship because they they really get along well since since they were kids because Rip was also a troubled child when John took him in, uh, but now Rip's like this big dude and he he can handle himself and he's like the lead guy like he's a no nonsense dude. One of the ...better characters in this entire series... ...just in terms of like his presence... ...and you know... ...he's very loyal to John Dutton... um, ...even though he's not a direct kid for him... ...Casey on the other hand... ...the other brother... uh ...you know he's... ...he's this military guy... ...who has some PTSD... Um, ...but at the same time... ...he's married to Monica... ...and then he has a kid... But he's, he's a little bit more grounded. Like he's, while he's not afraid to use a weapon or take someone out, he's not he's not really a cold-blooded murderer like some of the other people on on the ranch. So, uh, and we often learn that, and it's like Casey's constantly dealing with his conscience about some of the shit they're supposed to do. And. Um, Which is interesting because it comes back to some of the things I always question about with the 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 way that John runs his ranch is, you know, you have people coming and going who are helpers for the ranch, but like some of them who leave uh, are basically taken out by Rip or whoever Uh, at the time. They call it going to the train station, so that means they're gonna kill you, even though no one really knows about it uh but you know in, in their in their philosophy there is that people who are on a the ranch they tend to learn things about the way the ranch is run so if you know too much that's generally a sign that you're not going to be around much longer uh just depending on who you are but then there's the other side of that is uh for most for those that are very loyal to the yellowstone uh <laughs> You you will get branded with a uh, uh, you know a branding iron uh, by you know Rip or whoever to show your loyalty to John Dutton and the ranch and you know again people look at that uh, whether it's the audience of us fans watching or even the people in the show like there's been questions before like why would you do that why would you you know a brand means that you're being owned. But the other way that guys like Rip or Lloyd look at it, they look at it as just loyalty to John Dutton and his ranch. So even I think even at least Casey has the same brand. I don't think Jamie ever got that because there's there's this unfortunately there's this tension between John and even Jamie, which a lot of it is pushed by Beth because she you know eventually Beth tells her dad what happened with her and Jamie, and then it becomes even bigger. and but then there's also this other stuff where you know John tells Beth that you know he's still my son, I still love him. Uh, so just it's just like this big thing. like John tries so hard to want to have a nice family life with his grandkids and with his kids and but there's this constant chaos going on because of what's going on outside of there what's going on inside of the the family itself. Uh, Beth, despite really the one that kind of keeps things glued together in some ways because she's, you know, she's a very... She's not a lawyer or anything, but she's very smart. She's... Uh, I forget what they call her in the show, but she basically uh, buys land for certain companies and then, of course, she switches companies because she gets fired for whatever... But she's just very quick, and she's, again, cutthroat, dude. She uh, There's one moment where she's working for a particular guy to have a good working relationship, and this guy really likes it because of that factor that she's able to go in, get what he needs, and, like, she's relentless. But then when he turns on her, she's approached by the company that this guy works for. Uh, and when she's hired... She basically tells the person hiring her, like, well, you don't have to pay me a salary, but you're going to make me the manager top owner of this particular subgroup, which was her old company, where this guy was. She said, you're going <clears> to <throat> make me the top dog there, and I'm going to fire that motherfucker. And uh, they do it. They they give her the job, and she fires that guy. And, you know, that that's how cutthroat. Like, she didn't even care about a salary. She just wanted to be able to go in there and say... That's my seat you're in. Get the fuck out. And Because uh, they had a long relationship, that guy and her, before when he had employed her. So so it, it's funny because as much as Beth chews at Jamie about Jamie being selfish and this and that, uh, we do find that Beth has her own agendas, even though she does love her father, even though she does protect the, the ranch and everything it's hard to control her because she's really... there's no leash for her, really. There's only one moment uh, in season four right now where she was ready to do something, and Rip came to her and said, well, you do this, you're breaking your promise to me, and then we're done. And, like I said, her and Beth... him and and Beth have a a very close relationship. Uh, So she actually had to pay him heed there because she knows the risk of losing him uh, if she continued to do what she was going to do but uh you know she has these agendas that she's like you know sometimes she'll run off and do something and rips like you know let me handle this and she's like no no this is for me i want to do this but it, sometimes it's very risky i mean this i mean i tell you i kid you not because of the When I say that there's these outside people who want so badly to take over the Dutton Ranch and all this other stuff, they oftentimes will get mercenaries to do their dirty work. Like, it gets really violent. There's one moment, I kid you not, like... (laughs) Again, it's a great piece of cinematic, you know, scene or whatever you want to call it. Uh, A couple guys show up at Beth's... uh, building where she works and she's there with a male secretary who she's good friends with now she already sees these guys coming it's a pair of dudes and they're in their body armor and mask and whatnot and she's already automatically once they walk in with their gun she's like talking shit like she just she fears nothing man like it's just ridiculously crazy she is human, she breaks down here and there throughout the series, but in this instance, man, they were fucking her up, smashing her head into the fucking table, I mean, she was getting fucked up. Uh, They were really Even they even just went and shot her secretary with no hesitation, like, just right in the head, boom, gone. Right there in the office, and then, uh, now granted, it was late at night, no one else was in the building, that's why they were able to kind of pull this off, uh, But the one dude, like, I forgot how she managed to hurt one of the guys. But she kind of incapacitated him. (laughs) Incapacitated him, sorry. Uh, To the point that he couldn't really stand up or anything. But the other guy, which was a bigger dude, he's uh, fucking up pretty good. And then... I, she's still jawing at this dude. Like, I, I I know I can't explain it well for you without you seeing it, but she she's jawing at this guy, just egging him on. Like, And then it gets to a point where he throws her on the table, and he's, like, ready to fucking rape her. And she's still fucking talking shit. She's like, oh, great. I bet you can't even get up your little dick for me either. I mean, she's just going off on this dude. Uh, luckily for her, someone shows up and saves the day. Uh, but... <laughs> yeah and high uh, high praise for the people that do the makeup work for all this too because like it's not like oh you know she got busted up and then a couple days later she's looking pretty as normal like they they subtly you know that, you know first couple days she looks really fucked up like fucked up black eyes and you know busted lip gashes in the in the forehead i mean they fuck her up too she has scars uh there's one moment she's caught in a, a blast and when you're seeing the scene you can kind of see her back with her dress and like you can see the burns right and you wouldn't think much of that but then later on uh when you see her after she's healed a bit and she doesn't have her top on of course it's from the back end uh you see the burn scar the burn marks like it's not it's not fresh but you know it's healed but you can see they actually stuck with it they didn't gloss over that detail uh, of that so you know for a woman of her her beauty and whatnot she's she's been she's been through the ringer uh but she's an easy character to kind of hate because she's so fucking ruthless dude so ruthless and I found myself, like I said, after I kind of stopped watching the series because I was getting frustrated with that particular plot point of the whole thing. Uh, people told me to stick with it and keep doing, it. and I did. I finally went back to it. I was in, in end of season two, I think, when I got back into it. So I really busted it out in the last two or three days, and I concentrated more on the rest of the 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 plot of the series and generally kind of glossed over the Jamie part of it because I'm not like I've tied it to a point now where I don't even care about Jamie because he frustrates me more than she does as characters because like so many times that he could have put her in her place or you know left his family or whatever he, he keeps like I said he keeps making these decisions throughout this series that's frustrating and even in the finale of season four again she's got him by the balls i kid you not she's she's got him by the balls and so as a character he doesn't really have anywhere to grow and it's a little bit frustrating because you kind of root for him like i said you want him to kind of find some sort of edge or find a way to kind of put beth in her place at least once (laughs) But he's unable to do it. He's only had, like, one moment where he kind of shined a little bit. But that really kind of backfired in his face, too. Because the more that he pisses off Beth, the more he pisses off the father, John Dutton. Because John, you know, through Beth, doesn't really trust Jamie. And there's some uh, reasons for that, but there's other reasons why it's not. It's just a big, weary, weird dynamic with the family. But, you know, as far as, like, you know, some of the other stuff that goes on in the series, you got some very nice-looking ladies, uh, you know, all over place, and, you know, they don't really hold back from uh, the violence. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's, like, uber-gory or anything, but, you know, you see scenes in there, and you're like, wow, man, they are so blatant on how they're going to get rid of people, uh, whether it's hanging or whatever. Like, it's it's pretty fucking crazy. But then there's like all this other cover up, you know, cops coming and they, you know, they cover up stuff because they know that, you know, it's bad for the town and they don't want to get out. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, But I do highly recommend it. It's really good acting in all of it. Uh, Kelly Riley is Beth, is just amazing, man. I see her. And if you haven't, if you don't recognize the name, you may recognize the film. She actually was just in the movie the curse that I reviewed with Fast samurai guy on his channel for that movie um she also played uh Watson's wife or fiancee wife in the Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr and Jude Law uh so she's really good really good actress um very pretty uh but just really great and this role like she just fucking kills it like it, 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 it's like a love hate relationship, man. Like you can appreciate and respect what she is, but then you're just kind of like, God damn, she's so fucking damaged. <laughs> you know, she's crazy as fuck. Uh, but she gives no fucks, and that's, that's one of the wonderful things about it. All right. Into our next block of music. Uh, I've got stuff from Grand Sounds Promotions, Inverse Records, and we're going to kick it off from something from Metal Message, a band called Blood Red. This is called Neon Gods. For our rock block, and today got some soul syndicate provided by Scarlet Records. Brand new stuff from Kirk Hammett, brand new stuff from Cobra Kill. Vlad, my boy Vlad, providing some Overlord SR, Quabar PR providing some Slow Torch. I actually want to go and listen to that record because, uh, from what little pieces I heard in this song, sounds like a really cool band, so I, I need to check out more of them. Uh, kicking it off though, uh, this has actually been, I've been holding on to this track for a little while, but it's uh, the Melvins doing some sound garden. It's Spoon Man. Check it out.
1: a place to take care of all your automotive needs then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at A328 Veterans Highway Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is a professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you would find in other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you yeah. everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ,
3: live weekday mornings every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, 8th to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Necco on Metal Tavern Radio.
2: Okay.
3: Not going to spend a lot of time here. Uh, actually, I'm going to jump right into our next block, but uh, normally I we have like, you know, about four topics, but I only have about three today. Not sure if going forward I might just cut it back to three because we do ten times between Neko and I spend a lot of time on topics because we want to, you know, do thorough reviews or thorough discussions on things, but sometimes they can go kind of long, especially if we're doing interviews or whatever. Uh but in this case, I don't really have a fourth topic, so we're just going to jump right into the metal again. Uh, next uh, block we got here is some brand new stuff from Flayed Disciple, Death Crush, and Everlasting Spew Records sent out the new uh, record to me for Instigate, Very cool death metal band, um, and this is our first track of that record called Witness of the End Times, and we'll be back. play my uh, review for dr strange 2 multiverse of madness and uh i'm gonna use the audio from my youtube clip because that really i don't feel like going through all that shit again just because you know i think i said pretty much everything i needed to say in that and pretty much covers all the ground so no no real reason to Rehashed. I took away all my notes anyway, so it's better just to go ahead and give you the audio version of that. And, of course, if you want to check it I mean, there's nothing really much in the way of video on the video except for me. So unless you like looking at my face, <laughs> that's, all, that's all the real differences there with that. Uh, because it is the YouTube thing, you'll hear our uh, intro and outro there, but that's no big deal. You kind of actually heard a little bit of it before I kicked into the first song or the last block because I forgot to move my file down because uh, I want to change things around a little bit but yeah so I, it'll be about 20 minutes it's not super super long but I break down the Doctor Strange too, and like I said I make the uh announcement in the, in the audio as well that you know if you don't want spoilers of any kind just kind of pass through this and go back to the music but uh Here you go. Here is my review for Doctor Strange 2 The Multiverse of Madness. What up, everyone? DJ Nubis here with you on a Middle Time Radio podcast, doing another movie review. Just got out not too long ago. Seeing uh, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness, the second one in the series for Doctor Strange. Uh, Going to get this all out of the way. There may be some spoilers in here. I'm trying to avoid most of it because the movie's still brand new. However, if you have not seen it, don't watch this yet. Um, even like I said, I'm not going to try to give away too much, but there are going to be some stuff as I describe the plot and everything that could ruin it for some people. So do not watch if you don't want it for Be Ruined. Uh, so there might be some spoilers. Okay. Uh, so I watched Rob from ETN uh, the other day, he, yesterday or the day before he went to see I think it was yesterday. And he did a little quick review in his car after he got done seeing it. And, uh, you know, he went and said some things that kind of misled people a little bit, saying that there weren't any mutants in this movie. And I'm like, after watching this movie, I'm just like, really, dude? Really, Rob? Really? This is what you're going to do? Really? Uh, So I'm going to get to that in a minute. Uh, First and foremost, uh, the director, Sam Raimi. Uh, well-known, of course, for TV shows like Hercules and Xena, as well as the Evil Dead series, uh, and stuff like that, so there's more to that that I'll get to in a few moments. Soundtrack by Denny Elfman, very good stuff, uh, great soundtrack there. Cinematography is awesome, it's outstanding with great colors and visuals, which we kind of expected, because most of Strange movies are kind of done like that now, so, uh, and plus with, uh, Scarlet Witch as well, like the stuff that she's been involved with TV series and her powers and stuff. There's a lot of great visuals with that. Uh, No different here. Uh, Very cool stuff. The cast is huge. Um, A lot of familiar faces. I'm going to go through some for you. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, of course, is returning. Doctor Strange. Benedict Wong is returning as Wong. He plays a factor in this film. Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch, Wanda uh, Maximoff. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, like, she's awesome. Like, I just, I, I love her look, and it's amazing in this film. Uh, I can't get over it. Like, it's just gorgeous and powerful as hell in this, too. Like, it's really kind of uncanny. Uh, we're introduced to. Uh, reintroduced to one character, but introduced to a brand new one. Uh, the one that we're reintroduced to is Rachel McAdams, which I know is one of Neko's favorite uh, actresses, who returns as Christine Palmer, so she has a bigger role in this film than she did in the first. Uh, then I'm I don't want to butcher the name, but I'm going to try here. Uh, Hill Zichil- Zich- Zichil- Gomez. Zachitil? I don't know. I apologize to her. She plays America Chavez and she's like our main goal just under dr strange here in a scarlet witch so uh we do have some cameos uh in regards to the alternate universe that we have in here uh there is a point where we meet a group of individuals super beings uh now i can't remember the actress who plays the alternate version of captain marvel uh she looks familiar though i do apologize and then there's a gentleman who i have no idea who his character is but uh strange actually uh just called him four kid like he has like i think his bolt is it is it right bolt i think bolt uh he has like pretty good powers um which, of course, when you watched between those people and their fight with Scarlet Witch, uh, it's amazing. Uh, now, the other appearances here for cameos uh, are Chiletel four, and I know I butchered his name, too. Uh, he plays Baron Mortal. I remember him mainly, though, from Serenity. Like, his character in that was amazing. No, uh, you really no different here. He played it, the character very well. I have no idea who his character is. Uh, but certainly a, a great character form. Haley Atwell, who many will know through the Captain America series, is Peggy uh, uh, Carter. She plays the alternate version of Captain America, and dude, she fucking kills it. It's awesome. She's very good in this. John Krasinski, if, for those that are familiar with uh, Parks and oh no, it's The Office. Excuse me, I was went Parks and Rec, but no, it's The Office. But he plays reed richards uh from the fantastic four and then finally the biggest surprise probably and maybe why rob doesn't consider him actually a mutant but technically he is is patrick stewart returning as charles xavier and uh yeah i was really happy to see him in here it was like really fun uh but, it, 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 you know, I'm not sure if this is where we're now going to find that crossover that we're going to talk about going forward. Because they've always been talking about how the X-Men might end up crossing over into the Mar- the other part of the Marvel Universe. So, this may be that gateway. Like, you know, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this a little bit more. But the, the whole multiverse thing, uh, there's a lot that I'm so unclear about. And I, I wish people would take the time to kind of explain it to me. <laughs> Because between this and, of course, the TV series Loki on Disney+, Plus, like, there's a lot of shit going on. And we're not even counting Endgame where that kind of started where we started going back in time and and, and going through, jumping through timelines. So there's a lot of shit going on. And I know that the new Thor movie will be coming out soon, which probably deals with a lot of that, too. Um. But I'm really having a hard time keeping this shit straight in terms of how all this works because it's still very confusing for me. Uh, Now, my favorite cameo of the entire fucking movie is a small part. He's in it twice. uh, is Bruce Campbell. And he plays like a hot dog stand guy. And I'm not going to say... A whole lot more on it, but I will say that in his particular character, if you're catching it, he's basically giving a nod to Evil Dead too. It's so fucking hilarious, and uh, I couldn't stop laughing. Like I think, while most people kind of thought it was funny, I'm not sure if most people actually got the reference in it. But uh, there was a few that did, uh, and I might get to a little bit more about that too about. In fact, I'll talk about it right now just because I'll never forget about my ADHD will kick in, I'll just totally space it. But before I get into any more about the actual premise of the film and whatnot and maybe again some of you people who watch this can maybe jump in the comments and explain both the multiverse shit with me and explain to me how you feel about how audiences are receiving this later stage phase of Marvel, okay? Mm -hmm. When I went to see Morbius a few weeks ago, pretty much around opening week, and I probably was like a Thursday or Friday, uh, I was probably like one of five people in that theater. Today, Friday, uh, it was fuller. It wasn't cramped, but I mean, I had about 15 to 20 people in there, okay? Last night, I know, they only had two showings, and even though I was busy with Samurai, I saw that they were full. Like, the theaters were full. So people were going to see this. My question to you is, do you think people are responding more to Strange because they already are familiar with the character because of the rest of the universe? Like, are we at a point again with, like, you know, the Defenders and Jessica Jones and all this stuff where people don't really know these characters, so they're not really flocking out to see this kind of stuff or even wanting to watch it? Uh, aside from the die-hard comic book people, because to me, I was a little surprised. I didn't expect a lot of people to come jump out at this. I knew people would want to see it. I just didn't expect it to be as full as it was like right away. Uh, but Morbius, I think it didn't really do as well, ter- you know, in terms of like audiences. Uh, forget forget the review part of it. Like you know, just depend, you know the plots and how good the movies were compared to each other i think this movie is like far better than morbius but i appreciate that they were again introducing another character i just i I think when i look at the response to people coming out and seeing these films it was like night and day for me when i was going into theater so what are your thoughts on that do you think it's just people are more familiar with a lot of these other characters that they'll come out and see this as opposed to other Marvel films that are, even though part of this universe, that they just don't care about.
1: Um,
3: okay, so the premise here of the movie, uh, as I point out, the, the new new girl, new character showing up, she, America, she's the only version of herself in the entire multiverse. So where we know that there are different Captain Americas, Doctor Strange, uh, whatever, America herself is the only one of her kind. And the interesting thing is she's the only one that can actually power-wise jump from multiverse to multiverse and universe. So she can do that on her own. Uh, don't need a Tesseract for that kind of shit. Don't need like little this, that, or whatever. She can do it at will. The only problem is really early on she doesn't have any control of it. And so the only time that it activates is when she's very scared or upset. Um, and so that, you know, it comes to play a little later with Strange and everything else. So, as she's got this power, there's a, someone pursuing her. Like, they're chasing her down with demons, uh, trying to harness that power and take it from her. Uh, so she ends up in one part of the universe with a different dr strange and then ends up being teleported to where our current dr strange is with the strange that we're all familiar with from our movies that we've been watching so i call it our dr strange because you know he's in our part of the universe here uh the one we're familiar with and at first he's he's been having like what he thinks are dreams uh, and then it comes to find out that he's been seeing in real time what's going on with her, but not really knowing if it was real or not. So now he's trying to figure out who she is, why they want her, whoever wants her, and then, of course, uh, how to how to handle protecting her and, and what it all means. Um, Again, I'm not a, a comic book connoisseur. I don't have a history of reading a lot of comics obviously i'm familiar with some here and there but nothing deep down or major so there's when it comes to the comic book world all this is new to me like i knew certain characters that even the like scott Witch i didn't even know about to all these movies right so same with strange obviously i knew about wolverine or blade or you know captain america iron man you know stuff that was pretty mainstream I already kind of knew about. But uh, some of these other ones that we've discovered, Black Panther and whatever, you know, I just didn't know about. Uh, Going into this film, when I remember seeing the trailer, uh, and kudos to Marvel for this, because I did not know. Now, again, spoilers, please, if you don't want to know certain things. I'm not trying to give out spoilers, but in essence of explaining the movie a little bit, I kind of have to. Uh, without giving you like the total ending or anything else. But in order to explain what's going on, I have to do this. So again, if you've gotten this far and you're getting worried, please stop. Come back later if you need to. I did not realize in this movie that Scarlet Witch was going to be the villain. Did not know that. I thought there was going to be this team up because even though I knew what happened at the end of uh, WandaVision and how hurt she was and how she had become Scarlet Witch and took, you know, left and took away herself, uh, there's even a point early in the film when Strange First comes to her that you think that she's just kind of living in solitude and just chilling, you know, not trying to be a part of the world. And of course, not long after we are exposed to the ultimate plan by her. Uh, So her plan is to capture America, which sounds funny because it sounds like she's trying to capture the entire nation, but that's not, it's a person. Capture America and then take her essence, which is the power she has to travel to multiverses. Wanda's goal here is because she's still feeling... Lonely in the pain from having to kill vision and everything else, uh, that she wants to have her kids. And we, if you've watched WandaVision, you would know she created this whole world for herself to where it was like a TV show and she can just live like a happy family without worrying about the, the sadness and the despair of everything else. So she had created that whole world with the kids and everything else. And, uh, so now she's decided or discovered that in these other multiverses there does exist a version of herself with the kids. So she's wanting to be able to jump to multiverses and basically find one where she can take over that Wanda there and become the mother that she wants to be. She, she doesn't want to take over the entire universe and be a ruler, uh, even though she would have the power to do so. That's not really what she wants to do. She just wants to be able to be with her kids. That's really what it comes down to. But there are problems with that. Obviously, to take the power from America means killing America. And they actually bring it up at one point as to, like, you know, why kill her if she can just open a portal for you. And that you go to one particular place, even though that means taking over and probably killing the Wanda that's there, which Strange points out at some point. But Wanda has kind of thought about this too. And she's like, look, if my kids get sick, I can jump to any multiverse and find a cure. So that's her whole reasoning behind actually taking on all the power of jumping from multi- multiverse to multiverse. Um. Even though Iron Man is not in this film, there is a certain sect of uh, individuals that Strange runs into, and uh, they they have basically robots that look like little Iron Men that are like their warriors or guardians and they protect them. And uh, the interesting thing about them is their emblem on their chest, you know, it's not the blue gully thing that Iron Man had, but uh it's more like a yellow jewel which kind of reminded me of the mind stone from vision so for a quick second i thought we might actually get to see vision or maybe the form of vision that we saw from wandavision that had left because um, i was like when they when they were introducing this sect i'm like looking at these robots i'm like oh wow you know that looks very familiar like the stone Uh, But it's probably just coincidence, of course, uh, unless they want to... The way that they explain the sect of their name, uh, it does kind of make me wonder if maybe we see Vision down the road. Um, I just don't know if that's going to happen or not. I don't know enough about the comic book series or anything, or if that's even the way they're going to go. But that just... I don't know if anyone else caught that uh, besides me. I just thought, wow, that really looks like, you know... Vision there, so when they were taking Strange to these this sect, I'm thinking, oh my god, Vision's going to be there, right? This is going to be him, ruling this particular universe. But it wasn't. Not, not what I expected. Um, and, of course, the other uh, surprises that came with that. Uh, yeah, so, uh, there are two post-credit scenes at the end of the film. And... Uh, both very small one of them has uh someone that we see early in the film which is very quick uh the other one is still kind of a quick scene but it shows a new super being that i'm not familiar with but it looks like that the super being uh character is being portrayed by uh theron uh so i'm not really sure what to make of that like i don't know uh it's not important people tell me who she's supposed to be i mean i I'm sure I'll read up on it at some point by watching other reviews and stuff, but uh, it, it looks like that's going to be part of the third movie for Strange, because it did say Doctor Strange will return. It's almost like the James Bond thing, like, you know, Doctor Strange will return. Uh, they just don't say in, you know, whatever movie, but uh, they do have that in there. Uh, ranking this film, 9 out of 10. It's good. Uh, it's much better than Morbius, much better than The Eternals, which I finally end up watching. Um, you know, again, when I go back to talking about the reaction that people have to certain movies, like, are we getting just too convoluted with all these other characters that we aren't that familiar with? I love the fact that Marvel is fine with opening up this whole universe, because it gives you a lot to choose from. Let's face it, there are some people that I've read or talked to to say, yeah, I really like Jessica Jones' series. I really like that. That's fine, because that gives you an audience for that particular character, or Iron Fist, or, uh, you know, like Daredevil. That, that particular series, so Daredevil and Punisher, I really enjoyed uh, those two particular series, but I was kind of already familiar with them. Um but when it comes to Morbius or The Eternals, like, there's really only even a smaller percentage of fans who were fans of those characters. Uh, I actually am intrigued by Morbius uh, as a character. It's just that the movie didn't really live up quite to what I wanted out of it. But uh, if you saw that, you saw there was another post uh, credit scene there that's cool because uh, it has a character I do like from the Spider-Man movies in that. So. This is a good film. Um, you know, it, the thing about it is, you know, like I said, it, it, Scarlet Witch is the villain in this, but there does seem to be a, a, a sense of redemption again for her towards the end. Uh, the only question is, it doesn't let you know if what happened to her. Like, we do know she does something when she finally leaves. Uh, I won't give that part away, but what we don't know is where she goes so uh, I really like her character I, I there's a part of me that's kind of bummed that she was the villain in this but there's a part of me that understands especially when you follow it from WandaVision to this uh, which makes a lot of sense so uh, yeah uh, 9 out of 10 pretty good film definitely one of the better ones of the year you know up there with Northman was really good so So far, 2022 is having a a pretty good year in terms of films thus far. So this was good. And thanks for all for checking it out. Go check it out in the theaters. It's worth it. And enjoy the rest of your weekend, folks. Alright, so that's my review of Doctor Strange 2, The Multiverse of Madness. And back into the music we go with brand new stuff from Nocturnal Depression, Return to the Home Asylum.
1: This is Hugo Flores from Factory of Dreams and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Enjoy the music.
3: Legend, axe of swine. DJ Noob is here with you, getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos. Hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed all the good music. And uh, as I said, uh, this coming week, which when this gets posted, it'll be uh, usually on a Wednesday, and I'll the next on the 12th is when I'll be hoping to do the interview with Nomos. And I'll post that either the night of or the day after we do it, just depending on how late it runs. Um, I'm also uh, hoping to get another uh, episode of A uh, Rock and a Hard Place out uh, as well. I've been working on the playlist for that, um, but i am still got ways to go to complete that one. And I'm not sure when I'm going to record it. Probably record it probably Monday or Tuesday, but I won't really release it till maybe next week. Like, th- not, not next week, next week, but the week after, maybe. Um, kind of space it out a little bit, because next week you're gonna have, uh, basically this podcast you're hearing here now, and then, cause I'm recording this on the Saturday before, so yeah, I know you guys are like confused and shit, but so you'll you'll see, hear this on the Wednesday, and then the next two days after that I'm be doing the interview with Nomos and I'm gonna release that like right then and there. I'm not gonna hold on to that. Uh, that's going to be its own special edition uh, basically Um, I know NECA wanted to be here with us to do that but the guys I think are going to be going on tour soon and doing some stuff so either way um, it's going to have a lot of fun to have them in here and talk some shop and stuff like that so be on the lookout, a lot of stuff coming your way Um, take care of yourselves got one last track for you Vital remains, classic stuff from them. This is malevolent invocation.